Stephen Crafty and this is Talking Design. It's a fortnightly podcast on all things design from architecture, fashion, decorative arts, jewellery, you name it. And it's sponsored by RMIT University in Melbourne, Australia. And I'm here today with Stuart Russell who started Spacecraft and I've been following his career over many years and I still remember meeting Stuart he was making his own textiles in a warehouse in North Melbourne. I think you're still there. Mm -hmm. And I was very impressed with just the technique. But I think for people who don't know anything about Stuart Russell, because you've been around for how many years now? Uh, ten years. Ten Mr. years. I think it's interesting just to tell people where you came from, your background in London, and some mm. of the extraordinary people you worked with. Mm. Interesting. So um, how would you describe yourself, Stuart? Yeah, no, very... <laughs> a, bit, a, a mix, you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I wear different hats and some people think of me as a designer and some people think of me as an artist. In London, I was more like a curator with, a, a, with an art practice, but the you know, curatorial side was, was kind of higher profile. So I've had, you know, different profiles and different hats and I sort of juggle them all really at the moment and, and sort of work within all these areas. What did you actually start training in? Fine art. Fine art. At? Yeah. In Bradford initially and right. then in um, Vancouver. But the, um, yeah, it was always fine art with an interest in popular culture and that's what kind of eventually sort of dragged me into uh, fashion initially. I had an, a, a sort of an, an art idea for a, a project with Vivian Westwood where I had um, I had an inter a big interest in fashion and I had a lot of very uh, good friends that were working in fashion who were conversant in, in contemporary art, which is what you find in the UK, especially in London. Which period was this? This would have been the uh, late 80s and early 90s. and. Um, the so we were you know talking about things and I and, and I had an idea um, that was related to the situation in the UK at that time where industry we were in Thatcherism mode and we had industry kind of leave in the country and people being happy for industry to sort of leave and the notion was that we would hang on to the technology we would hang on to the design we'd hang on to the education but we didn't mind if it was made in Hong Kong, Portugal, wherever. We didn't have to be makers. We were going to be something Designers. above that, you know. And it sort of resulted in in big changes. And and one of those changes that we noticed. I mean, I loved Vivian Westwood's work, and she then decided that she was going to have to go to Paris to rather than operate out of London. She was shifting and moving over to Paris and to work with those, you know, to show in Paris and to have those sort of production house um, would be in Paris. And the, that show was called Anglomania and it was the show where Naomi Campbell fell off her shoes. I don't know if you... Yes, I do. These high platform shoes. I mean, she often uses the high platform shoes, but that was a kind of defining, I don't know, a big moment now, sort of that everybody, it was on the news and, you know, everybody remembers it. And Naomi was wearing this sort of tartan skirt and fell off on the platform and uh, onto the catwalk. And, um, but Anglomania was shown in, it was never shown in Britain. And it was kind of somehow an analogy to what had happened with the industry and, and our feeling that this was kind of wrong, you know, across all levels, not so, just in culture. So how did you get involved with Vivian? 
I uh, wrote her and said, you know, I'd like to put Anglomania on in the UK and um, bring it, you know, have a showing in the UK, a showing that wouldn't just be for fashion people, it would be for like an audience, so it'd be part of an event. And I wanted it to be this uh, opening of the Edinburgh Festival, which is fairly ambitious, but that is what I was able to achieve. And so I showed the Anglomania in the UK explaining some of the, the kind of uh, my um, observations on, on how things were going offshore and, and uh, she was perfect for it in a sense because she represents Britishness in a way and so that was a good symbol of what I was trying to explain. So Stuart how did you get into making textiles from, from ah, that point? From, well not even from that point, from early early days in Bradford my art college was a very unusual very interesting art college in the sense that it um, it only had a fine art degree and we got access to every department so it had traditionally been a fine you know a, an art college that you know David Hockney went to and he would have you know had access to you know ceramics and textiles and fine art and drawing and painting you know all the the gamut um, fashion all the different things you'd find in an art college but what they'd, they'd done was to turn it into something where the theory department was in the centre and you could, uh, and that sort of was the heart of the course. And then you got access to any of these departments. So the, uh, it was kind of extraordinary. What you would have to do would be to go and they would set you a brief, you would um, put a proposal to the theory department and they would say, yeah, don't really like the way you've thought this through. But once they ticked it off, then the, the areas that you said you wanted to work in, say I'd said I wanted to work in drawing, textiles and So 3D. in a sense, not wanting to make uh, comparisons, but RMIT's a little bit like that well, now. A lot of courses have, have right. built out of this that work, model. you know, that model. And say Goldsmiths is very similar and um, Glasgow. Uh, so wait, so was textile something that you were attracted to immediately? Well, I, I used the, f the <laughs> it's an interesting story, but the, the printmaking department was uh, really old school at Bradford, which it probably is in lots of colleges. And so I was attracted to print, but then when I got down there, you know, there were still guys wearing sort of three quarter length brown sort of overcoat kind of thing when you got in. And, and my first lesson in printmaking was... Uh, they were telling you how to edition prints, so they were saying, you know, you sign here and you put in you know. God, and then I was wiping a plate, and I was saying, you know, I'm doing an etching and wiping a plate, and the guy said, no, no, you're not doing it properly, and you've got to do it like this. And then he did it for me and printed it and thought I'd be happy with that, you know, and I was so yeah. disappointed with this, uh, you know, the, how, what I was getting. I went to textiles, because they also had screen printing. Uh -huh. So instead of me, when I'm putting in my little proposals to the theory department, instead of I was wanting to do print, but I did it in the textile department. And they were, they just left left me alone and let me do what I wanted to do. So from printing textiles mm. at Bradford, yeah. After you graduated, you you were actually starting to print textiles for, for some pretty uh, important fashion designers in London. Later, later on, who were they? I mean, I, I, well, that was yeah. Much later, I mean, London Printworks was something yeah. that I set up and, um, or the, sorry, had been running and applied in the, the Guardian newspaper saying that they wanted a new director and a new direction. And they, um, they were running out of their funding or they had two years to go in a, in a sort of a funding program and were at a sort of crossroads and they had these textile printing equipment 
and a, a kind of fine art base, I suppose, you know, a bent. And so I became the director of London Printworks and through that was able to sort of uh, create a, a resource that attracted or that, that, uh, artists and fashion people gravitated to. Tell me about Spacecraft, how that when that was established, mm. why you decided to establish spacecraft. I mean, textiles had actually been disappearing. Handmade textiles mm. were disappearing from the industry at a time mm. when you were starting to set up your print tables. I think there were a number mm. of uh, printing uh, designers who'd kind of gone by the way, including uh, Printin Tin, mm. and all of a sudden spacecraft appeared. Why did you think the timing was right? No, no idea really, you know, I mean I'm coming out of a background of running an art centre and and, um, and putting on exhibitions and that kind of thing, but the, so, I mean you had some management experience but no real, you know, not a lot of experience of sort of running a business. Um, it was that initially I felt that we could probably have done something like London Printworks in, in Melbourne. Tell me, for people that don't know spacecraft, and I think most mm. people would, how would you describe spacecraft's work? Right. Well, we're. I we're, mean, you cover what type of things do you cover? Now? Yeah, big range. So I mean, you know, the heart is is the the printing tables. So we've got like screen printing tables for textiles, which are kind of like long tables. But we haven't really. It's still fairly rudimentary, you know, because we want to be able to be quite flexible in what we produce. But what are you producing out of those textiles? Sure, I mean, well, range from, you know, fine art, so we do art projects. I do art projects for myself, obviously. I do art projects for friends. And then I do art projects for uh, visiting artists or some recommendations or people who, you know, maybe I don't know, but I kind of love the, the idea or the work. And we do design, so the design work goes into our stores. And and it's mainly homewares. Yeah, at the moment, homewares. It's been lots of things, yeah. and you know that's the you know, we've um, we. And that includes homewares includes towels or towels? sheets. No, no not but, towels, sheets. Yeah, we do bed linen. Bed linen. And um, you know that that's been something I've done a lot with, and cushions and things like that, but. It just you know it's whatever I mean furniture you know we do we do all sorts of things we do fashion from time to time in the beginning it was all fashion and now you did printed printed sweats no we, well we did t-shirts yes and uh, and that was very interesting so it was like a collection of t-shirts and um, and it, you know initially I had an idea that I wanted to do a new t-shirt every Friday and I find some people that were interested in doing that and so I designed a different you know new design every Friday and delivered about four o'clock on a Friday afternoon and kept that running for about four years and you know we we're not big enough to be able to or desiring to do all of these different things so we'll alight on something that we think is an interesting vehicle for the ideas the ideas that come along we decide fairly you know quickly whether it's an art idea or a design idea never really have too much trouble with that. I'm not one for blurring boundaries between art and design. I also noticed recently I went into a house designed by Jesse Judd mm. and you worked with the architect on embellishing joinery yeah. with mm. your wonderful prints. Yeah. How did that process work? Yeah good, I mean and, and fairly 
a fairly regular type of work for us. I mean, well, this one was a bit more involved, but often we'll get asked by an architect to create an architectural feature. So it'll be something within the house that they want us to do. That might be to deal with a glass panels or to, you know, some textiles or a wall finish or, or to print onto a wall. So we'll work with the architect will have an idea, work with the owner often, you know, the, and the architect and come up with a, an idea, a solution. And um, that was the same with Jesse. We met the owners and Jesse sort of said, you know, thought that we could do something that would introduce uh, some uh, graphic, I suppose, you know, printed uh, graphics on, on all levels of this four-storey house. For those who still, you know, most people or many people would have gone into a spacecraft store, you've got two mm. now, and seen your work, but for those who don't know what your textiles look like, mm. very evocative of nature, you use a lot of yeah. um, floral motives, leaves, mm. what are some of the other things that inspire you to? Well, that was, the inspiration there was sort of High Street and, and what you know, and popular culture. So when we, you know, that that was kind of a. I've always loved High Street and why it works in terms of my artwork was often involved with that, and I used to often show in, in kind of High Street type locations. You know, disused shops and things, and um, so kind of the trends and and why the High Street kind of goes its way and the differences between art and design were interesting to me. I love the fact that you know, if you're, as an artist, you can have work that'll, um, that, you know, if nobody gets it at the time, it's almost a plus. You know, if you get a kind of a, mm, I'm not, I don't understand, or I'm not sure about this work, feels a little bit better than that you're fitting right in. And so two years later, if folk come back and say, you know, I really like that project you did, and at the time I wasn't sure what you were on about, but now I'm really love it. That's great, you know. It's almost perfect for an art project, but for design, you have you've got a really small window. This is like on the high street, talking about fashion or you know a cushion or something. You've got a small window where it's going to be super relevant, and you've got to hit that little window. And I enjoy the the two different disciplines, and um, so spacecraft or the stores kind of give me that opportunity to. What's interesting about your work also, Stuart, is that a lot of the great things happen by chance or just the leftovers. Mm. Like you take, um, I remember walking into your studio and seeing all the remnants mm. of where all the ink's been splattered and it's it's almost the ground sheets. Mm. And you take that and you form art out of that. So it's quite sustainable rather than mm. throwing it out. You see that those mistakes as a piece of art. Yeah, well, that that's the one. That's the one, when I'm saying that there's no blurring of boundaries between, you know, my art and design and that this, uh, you know, use of florals and generic textiles and why I kind of, you know, kind of use the, the, um, the tried, the, the sort of formula um, and twist that. I want people to understand that it is, I'm in that area of design and I'm commenting on it. But the backing cloth is a little bit different in a sense. That that really started off as a so that's the sort of conceptual ideas, the artwork it fits comfortably as my artwork. But it was that the backing cloth, a seven meter table in the studio that got really covered with ink and during the process uh, became a sort of an obsession for me in terms of the chance compositions that were created and I was going to ask you, Stuart, you know, in an age where everything is mass-produced, mm. there's a lot of technology involved, people would look at your tables, your printing tables, and think they're quite quaint. Mm. Um, 
is it something do you think we're we're going back to a period where that sense of touch and hands is actually important do you think we've yeah. become so mechanized that people are actually getting a bit tired well how I, I see the process working in particular it's really interesting in, in, in Melbourne because I've seen this happen that Westwood project I was talking about explains some of what I saw happening in, in the UK and, and it's mirrored in what's happened in Melbourne that when I arrived there was lots of printers and I basically I produced a database of, of what, who was around and what they could do and I was going to set up in a really small place and be a kind of an artist in the studio and I would farm out this work to do and then within a very short period of time they all started to fall over and I knew they were going to actually you know because you could see them just so meshed up in that middle market that where you know China was obviously doing much better and they were so tight in there that they couldn't even do little things for me. So you're, you're really saying the strength is of survival is to have a point of difference and your own voice? Or? No, I think no, it's a, just a, it's a factor of what's happened. I mean, but with all those big businesses falling over, it's just cleared a forest that's created all those sort of small, more, um, more light on their feet businesses have emerged from that and have been given a chance. So instead of this middle market locked in, can't do anything outside of these narrow parameters, you know, go, go to any of the printers that are around just now, sure they're not big and they can't do these big projects, but you ask them to do, you know, gold foil on the top half and, you know, red in the bottom and, and do yes, and they'll do it. You know, yeah. they're able to kind of, they're flexible and they'll be able to do it. And that is going to drive or is already driving a change in what I perceived as to how design works in Melbourne in the sense that it used to be quite straight and um, didn't really have a kind of an edge or a vision and you looked at New Zealand and thought wow they've got something going over there and, and now because that big industry has fallen over and we don't have that sort of production capability those smaller businesses and workshops so I've got an opportunity and that gives the designers the opportunity to do things differently and it'll give us a much more edgier feel it's already there you know you can see it emerging you know in the last two or three years it's we've got that coming Stuart what do you find the most um, challenging thing about what you do I mean you've been going for a long time mm. production's always difficult even at the best of times when you think mm. you've got everything down pat what are the things that still stump you either working in Australia or just in the mm. industry generally? Well, I think, I mean, as I th you know, I think if I, I, I can see exactly, you know, I can see lots of things that I would have done with this if I'd been in the UK, if I'd been in London. But that's kind of t a bit dumb just to sort of imagine what you could have done. What would you have London. done in London? Well, it would have been much more kind of, t uh, I've got, uh, you know, as part of this sort of infrastructure of, of, of you know, we don't have a lot of access in terms of artists and designers don't have a lot of access to equipment to create um, artwork, for example. And, um, you know, in, in London there is, there's this network and infrastructure that is very well planned out and, and uh, you know, has been rejigged from the 60s model to be much more responsive to what artists leaving college and I are looking for. <coughs> and I, London, Print, uh, you know, London Printworks fitted into that and was part of the driver for change in, in that area in London, where here we don't have that infrastructure to be a part of, 
and I feel that like uh, you know that, that spacecraft could definitely have a sort of public face mm -hmm. and be an access studio and be somewhere that did give rather than just to my friends and you know high-profile visiting artists um, who you know we were did um, you know that we could be we could be a, a, a resource a sort of part of the sort of cultural infrastructure I think the best way to sum up um, spacecrafts designed for people who haven't seen um, your textiles and I'm mm. sure most people have but is to look at your jumper which is <laughs> almost um, an Escher like print mm. and you've got the jumper inside out with the seams on the outside <laughs> so you actually blur the pattern and I think that's yeah. very much your way of looking at things quite differently yeah. Well, all my, I mean, yeah, certainly in terms of high street, I mean, one of the easiest sort of design ways or, you know, design philosophies was sort of, you know, and I wrote down early on when I was thinking, you know, that I might enter the world of design, really enter it, like get my hands dirty and be involved, was upside down, inside out and back to front. And it was, it was an attitude more than anything else, but it was just to say to respond to what was in the street, you know, not to create try to drag my artwork into the design world but to respond to what was on the street and sort of manipulate that so and change it to you're really you're really keen to make design as accessible as possible idea I to make ideas accessible through design yeah. and ideas you know accessible through art and I think the different you know sometimes in the art world you can be operating with a very small group of people and that gets a bit frustrating same faces same voices yeah. all the time and within, you know, the buzz that you get from design is that you, you know, you work with, you know, I love going into working in store and meeting the people. I mean, I don't do enough of it, but when I'm in store, I love meeting folk who come in and say, oh, I bought that and this is how I use it. And, or I've worn this, you know, for, I've worn this. I mean, folk bump into me in the street and say, when are you going to do more men's t-shirts? My wife threw this one out that I'm wearing, but not. Uh, but I pulled it out of the bin, and it's got <laughs> these holes under the arms. And so now every time I wear it, I have to wear a cardigan, so as you can see, a bit of the print, and then but not the holes under the arms. And this guy's, you know, peeling off his cardigan to show me the holes under the arms in oh, a ten-year-old T-shirt. Um, you know, I promise them that I'll do it again, and I feel <laughs> that that you know, it's an amazing interaction that you get by being a designer as yeah. opposed to being an artist. Where, but. Um, so yeah, I enjoy both things. I wear both hats comfortably without hierarchy, and I—that's uh, the—I think that's the hard, not the hardest thing. It's not hard for me. It's the hardest thing for other people to understand that you could um, be an artist and a designer and not be doing the design to make money for your artwork, yeah. or you know, those other things. Look, thank you so much, Stuart, for coming in. Um, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I've been very, very interested in following your career over the many years, and you really, your work still continues to delight and surprise, and thank you very, very much. Thanks for listening to Talking Design, sponsored by RMIT University, and I look forward to joining you again very soon. Thanks again. <laughs>